Tenebrae Vespers Service for Good Friday, April 7th, 2023. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Praise to you, O Christ, Lamb of our salvation. Psalm 22. God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? O oh my God, I cry to you by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me, like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my stung tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots.
but you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, but he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. We sing him LSB 450, O Sacred Head, Now Wounded, verses 1 through 3. with 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, the 19th chapter. And Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and an Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. We sing hymn LSB 450, O Sacred Head Now Wounded, verses 4 through 7.
took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, 
woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again another scripture says, They will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about seventy-five pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered for the sins of the people. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is put away. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered for the sins of the people. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered for the sins of the people. We sing him LSB 454, Sing My Tongue, The Glorious Battle.
glorious battle, sing the ending of the fray. Now above the cross the trophy, sound the loud triumphant lay. Tell how Christ the world's Redeemer has a victim won the the fullness of the appointed time was come. He, the Word, was born of woman, left for us his Father's home. Blaze the path of true obedience, shown as light amidst the Thus with thirty years accomplished, he went forth from Nazareth, destined, dedicated, willing, did his work and met his death. Like a lamb he humbly yielded, on the cross his dying. sign of triumph before all the noblest tree. None in foliage, none in blossom, none in fruit thine equal be. Symbol of the world's redemption for the weight that hung Son, to the eternal Spirit, honor, now and evermore be done. Praise and glory in the highest, while the timeless ages Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In sermons, we typically shy away from highlighting emotions unless it's bad. The world has gone to great lengths to overstress emotions that the typical reaction is to overreact with thoughts that emotions are either bad, almost to the point where emotions are considered foul language. So, pastor, what is it? Are emotions good or bad? Simply, they are gifts given by God, part of the human condition, which are also corrupted by the fall into sin. But why the brief point on emotions? Because this is a highly emotional day. Good Friday has often been sold as a funeral for Jesus, which is just plain wicked and wrong. It is bad theology that is harmful at best. We can easily let our own emotional sentiments cloud this day, 
but that would be unwise. We would do better to allow the text of Holy Scripture to shape and inform how we are to approach this day. As one reads through the Gospels, you may notice an interesting point on emotions. Jesus is not described in the Gospels as happy. It is rather, just as Isaiah foretold it, he was a man of sorrows. We are twice told, however, once in Luke and once in John, that Jesus rejoiced. Luke reports that Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. This doesn't seem like a particularly happy thing. The Father has hid himself from the wise and understanding, but it causes Jesus to rejoice. John tells us that Jesus said to his disciples, Lazarus is dead, and I rejoice that I was not there for your sakes, so that you may believe. So next time you see a picture of Jesus laughing, you can now imagine that he is telling the disciples, Lazarus is dead. Jesus rejoiced. I don't doubt that he, over, that he also laughed, but overall, Jesus wasn't perhaps what we might deem a happy man. He was a man of sorrows. The emotion that the Gospels most describe to our Lord is not, however, sorrow in terms of feeling sorry for himself and the pain that he must endure. No, the emotion is better understood with our English word compassion. Compassion is calm, that is, with, plus passion, as in the passion of our Lord. Passion means to desire so intensely that it causes suffering. Compassion means to suffer with. Compassion is what happens to us when we get that pit in our stomach after bad news. It is gut-wrenching and hits us squarely in the feels. This is the nearly constant reaction of our Lord during the time of his humiliation. He looks about this fallen world and loses his appetite. He sees unnecessary sadness and pain everywhere, and it hurts him to see others so unnecessarily sad. He sees the futility and stupidity of pride, greed, and lust. He watches us make bad decision after bad decision out of ignorance or fear. He watches us hurt ourselves and those who love us, thinking we will solve an inconvenient problem by a quick act of violence, when all we really do is strap ourselves to a, a lifetime of mourning or regret and place their bodies and souls in real danger. Our Lord's other high-frequency emotion in the Gospels is anger. Sin makes God Mad, mad enough to destroy the whole world in a flood, mad enough to bring the waves down on Pharaoh's head and turns Lot's wife into a pillar of salt, mad enough to make things so bad that people would think barrenness was a blessing and beg the hills to fall upon them. Good Friday is about God's wrath, like it or not. God's wrath is revealed as he spends it upon his son on our behalf, not just on Good Friday, but throughout our Lord's ministry, we see his frustration, sadness, and anger over and at sin. He has no sympathy for the demons, and remember the fig tree he cursed. Remember the violence he inflicted upon the money changers. Remember how he called St. Peter Satan. The lion of Judah, meek and mild, goes as a lamb to the slaughter without complaint, but he is no pussycat. He is the stronger man, and he is angry. Then there is love. Jesus loves me, this I know, indeed. 
There may be no more profound statement in all the world, but that love is not what we usually think. That love is not Jesus sitting in heaven thinking happy thoughts about us. That love is sorrow, pain, and death. Our problem is that we tend to think that ideal love is romantic love. Not every culture has thought this. Aristotle thought the highest form of love was friendship. But our movies about friendship, think of Homeward Bound or Toy Story, are mainly for children. That's because our ideal love is something more like the Titanic or Gone with the Wind. Love is magic and out of control. It can't be explained and should never be suppressed. We can't help loving whom we love and can't be held accountable for crimes if they're meant to serve that ideal. All you need is love, pined the Beatles, and we sang along as though we did not need clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, or anything else. Our common view of love is even more selfish than it sounds, because what we think of as love is really the contentment, peace, or happiness that others cause us to feel inside ourselves. What we are looking for in love is a soulmate who completes us, satisfies us with whom we connect so that when we spend time with them, the hours slip away in deep pleasure. Herein lies the cause of many a divorce, because this is pure fantasy. And while it can be found for a short time in infatuation, it is not real and it does not last. Is there any more whiny and selfish complaint than, I just want to be happy? Really? Just happy? Why not say you just want everything to be perfect? There is no such thing as just happy. Imagine our forefathers in the Battle of the Bulge or bound with chains in the bowels of a slave ship or facing surgery without anesthetic saying, I just want to be happy. The statement is pure selfishness of the worst order, and if we haven't all said it, we've all thought it. The problem with what we consider to be love is that it resides in the emotions of the lover. To some degree, love is how the lover feels about the beloved. But it doesn't take much of an examination to discover that what we really mean is how the beloved makes the lover feel, and that feeling is always good, positive, enjoyable, or we would not call it love. You don't look at the one who hurts you and feel your heart grow full of joy and peace and contentment. But this is how God loves us. His love for us does not make him happy. <laughs> Better than the Beatles is Nazareth. Love hurts. Okay, <laughs> not really. The song is pure silliness, but the statement, love hurts, is closer to the truth. That is why mothers cry when their daughters marry. That is why we speak of the last days of our Lord's life as his passion. John 3.16 is a key verse. Right? The problem is that we mainly know that verse from the King James translation and our English isn't very good. We hear the word so as emphasis. In fact, the Phillips paraphrase of the Bible, which seems to never paraphrase in the right way, reads, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son wrong. No translation from the Greek would ever pull that. The King James Version, unlike the Phillips, is not wrong. It's just that we can't hear it because we don't use the word so as that's sort of an adverb very often. So we might hear it wrongly as the Phillips presents it, but we do sometimes use the word so as it is used in John 3.16. We use it in this way when we say, say it isn't so, or is that so? We're not asking, say it isn't so much, but we are saying, say it isn't that way. The word the King James Version translates as so means thus, in this way, or in this manner. See, in John 3.16, our Lord isn't 
writing a Hallmark card, trying to declaim the great quantity or depth of God's love like some cheesy country song. He is simply explaining to Nicodemus how it is that God loves the world. God loves the world by giving his son into death as a ransom for rebels who hated him and killed him and who chose Satan and Barabbas over him. John 3.16 is, For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not be destroyed but have everlasting life. Remember that the sentence before verse 16 is Jesus saying that he must be lifted up from the earth. He's talking about his death. His death is how he loves the world, how he makes it his again. Thus, St. John again, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is how the Lord loves sinners of all stripes. This is how the Lord loves you. He gives himself to death. His love for you is sadness and anger, sorrow and pain. Divine love and human love that imitates it is self-giving. It does not serve itself, but it serves the beloved. God's love for us does not fill him with happy thoughts or make him glad to see us. His love is service, action, death. God's love hurts him, causes his heart to break and water and blood to pour out. We do not rightly understand love in God or in ourselves when we think of it as an emotion or a feeling. The emotions of Jesus in the gospel are mainly sorrow and anger, not love, because love is not how he feels, but what he does, who he is. Yet what the gospels don't report in terms of emotion, the prophet Isaiah does. He reports that Jesus, the suffering servant, shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. The Gospels don't describe Jesus as happy, but Isaiah describes him in the end as satisfied, content, which is something pretty close to happy. The Lord is satisfied because he has fulfilled his mission. It is finished, perfected, complete. He has loved and is loving his Father. He has defeated death. Here is the great and wonderful surprise. You are the labor of his soul, the plunder of hell stolen away, the reward of the Father returned to its rightful place and beyond. You are his seed, the sons of God, the brothers of Jesus, the immaculate bride chosen in perfect grace, who are his generation and who also proclaim his generation. In this, in, in you, he is satisfied. By grace you have believed our report and rejoiced in it. You are God's own beloved, whose iniquity is removed, whose sin is gone, whose shame is no more. And Jesus, King of the Jews, lifted up from the the earth, has drawn you to himself and is your Lord. That is why we celebrate and rejoice in the sorrows of the man of sorrows. It is a good day. I prefer the Latin title, but the English is better than the German Best said today is Holy Friday. It's the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It is the day that belongs to him, by which he sanctifies all men, and by which he has recreated the world, upon which he finished creation. Certainly there is some truth in Karfretag, that is, funeral day or mourning day, but the emphasis is a bit off. We mourn for our sins, to be sure, but we also rejoice in the love of God revealed and showered upon us in the death of the Son. Yes, this is the way God has loved us. 
He has given himself to us in death to give himself to us, his crucified and risen body and blood in Holy Communion. If he had not died, there could be no testament. If his blood had not poured forth, it could not fill our chalice. And there is no remission apart from blood. When the faithful went to the tabernacle or the temple, they did so for blood that their sins might be forgiven. So also we come to church. We come for blood that our sins might be forgiven. And God loves us in this way. He pours his blood onto our hearts through our mouths that we might be circumcised where it counts, that we might offer sacrifices not of blood, for that is offered to us, but that we might offer then offer uh, that we might then offer sacrifices of praise. Here is God's love. He gives his son. Good Friday is not bad or sad Friday. It is good Friday. It is the day the Lord restored the original goodness to his creation, and it is most certainly good for us. So Good Friday is not a bad title. Still, Holy Friday seems best to me, most inclusive of all the themes, for this is God's day above all other days, set apart for him, the day of his victory, when the devil was put down at last, the day of his love, and the day that makes us his holy people as he himself is holy. We should love and embrace today, even as a bride embraces and loves her wedding day, for that is precisely what it is. And soon cometh the consummation, the departure of sadness, not when the stone is rolled away and Jesus is missing, but when Jesus enters into us in his risen body and blood and takes us for himself in the breaking of the bread. For know this above all, dear sad sinners, Jesus who loves you is risen and lives and he is satisfied in you that you are his. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We sing hymn LSB 434, Lamb of God, Pure and Holy.
pray. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, graciously behold this, your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and delivered into the hands of sinful men to suffer death upon the cross. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, you willed that your Son should bear for us the pains of the cross, and so remove from us the power of the adversary. Help us so to remember and give thanks for our Lord's passion, that we may receive forgiveness of sin and redemption from everlasting death. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We sing hymn TLH 594, When My Last Hour is Close at Hand. Can not slumber, but the 
sands upon the shore. My sins may be in number. I will not quail but think of thee. Thy death, thy sorrow born for me. Thy suffering shall uphold me. I am a branch in thee, the vine, and hence the comfort borrow, that thou wilt surely keep me thine, through fear and pain and sorrow. And when I die, I die to thee, Thy precious death hath won for me the life that never endeth. Since thou the power of death didst rend, in death thou wilt not leave me. Since thou didst into heaven ascend, no fear of death shall grieve me, for where thou art there shall I be, that I may ever live with thee. That is my hope when dying. My spirit I commend to thee, and gladly hence betake me. Peaceful and calm my sleep shall be, no human voice can wake me, but Christ is with me through the strife, and he will bear me into life, and open heaven.